Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, a lot of us have at least one female doctor. In some ways, their working lives sound quite familiar. I think we look at other women and we judge ourselves based on how they're doing. And so we see this little iceberg of their lives and we say, are we as doing as good a job as they are? But the job has challenges most of us won't have to face at work. You don't necessarily show that emotion. And so that's, that's how I... That's how I carried on most of the time. And most of the time that worked, you know, 90% of the time that worked. And then every so often, terrible things happen and you react to it. At the end of 2016, I did an episode on burnout and the reaction seemed to show this is a problem a lot of you have experienced. And over the last year or so, I've heard from a few doctors saying, look, burnout is a huge problem for women physicians. Depending on which study you look at, women doctors are burning out at twice the rate of men, and that can't be good for any of us. A Harvard study has also shown elderly hospital patients do better under the care of women doctors. But is that because women are throwing so much of themselves into that care, it's leaving them spent? In this show, we're going to talk about burnout and lack of empathy in a profession that on the surface seems to be all about it. We're going to talk about how women judge one another's success and how they can help each other. Robin Devine is my first guest. She lives in Columbus, Ohio. She's in her mid-40s with two teenage sons and a husband. And just to let you know, we had a few technical difficulties during the interview, so we ended up speaking over Skype. After her medical residency, Robin did a fellowship in sports medicine. She was athletic herself and thought, maybe this will be my career. But I got about halfway through it and thought, I don't want to see people for ankle sprains for the rest of my life. I want to I want to experience kind of the continuity and that whole patient experience where you treat people from what we call cradle to grave, kind of the whole shebang. She wanted to develop relationships with her patients over years. And she thought being a family doctor with somewhat regular hours, it might allow a bit more time for other things. Medicine often is a, not just a, a job, it's a, and it's not just a career, it's a life. And you have to be happy. And I knew that I would not be happy if I couldn't do the other parts of living, which was you know, having a family and having interests outside of work. Well, yeah, tell me about that. I was going to ask you when you met your husband and, and how much you thought about the intersection of, of work and life before you had kids. Hmm. So I met my husband. Um, I used to be a runner in high school and college, and I met him playing ultimate Frisbee. 
we dated for about five years. We ended up getting married the last year of my residency. And, um, you know, I had friends who during residency had babies. And I remember, you know, I was very driven then. And I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't understand in my brain and my mindset at the time why someone would want to take a break from this thing they'd worked so hard from to start their family then. And it was a very ignorant um, mental model that I had, but that's kind of the frame of mind I was in at the time. But once she got married, she felt quite differently. She didn't want to wait to have kids. And her first job in a family practice looked pretty good to a 30-year-old on the cusp of her career. She joined a practice with another female doctor who worked with her husband. He was a lawyer and he ran the office. One of the reasons I took the job was they had a lot of kids and they were very much encouraging. You know, they thought in order to be a family doctor, you have to have perspective and we really encourage you to have a family and we provide maternity leave. Which was great because she got pregnant quite quickly. Things were going well. And I was pregnant, about 25 weeks pregnant, and I started having preterm contractions. And I went to the doctor and he said, you're you know, this happens a lot in with physicians because you're on your feet all day long. You need to cut back because your cervix is shortening. And at that time, many years ago, there wasn't the treatments that they have now to stop that. And so he said, you need to go to part-time. That either means half the patients or half the day. So she called her bosses on her way home, explained the situation, told them she needed to go part-time. And as she remembers it, they seemed supportive, the wife maybe more so. So that was on a Friday. She'd had about 18 patients scheduled for the following Monday. So she goes into the office on Monday morning, expecting to see maybe nine patients on her new schedule. And when I went into the office, they had moved every single patient into the morning. So I had 18 patients in half the time. Whoa. <laughs> I, I'm like, there must be a mistake. And so I went up to the the main office manager, which was her husband, and said, what is going on? You know, I'm supposed to be part-time. And, and he looked at me and he said, we all know you're going to end up on bed rest. So we're trying to get these patients seen before you go. And I didn't really feel like there was anything I could do. I, it was a little bit surreal. I couldn't believe that he was saying this to me. And uh, so I went and saw the patients. And by the time I got done at, you know, one in the afternoon, because I was running around, I was contracting every four or five minutes and I was just a wreck because I thought I'm going to have this baby at 26 weeks. And um, so I called my doctor and he said, get in here. And he took one look at me because I was sobbing and <laughs> crying by the time I got there. And he says, you're done. He said, this, is, this didn't work. You're on bed rest. And so I spent 10, 10 and a half weeks on bed rest and had him just around 37 weeks. And though she did return to the practice after having her son, she quickly realised the relationship with that couple wasn't going to work long term. Her next job lasted 11 years. She became a partner in another family practice with two male doctors, both older than her. She learned a lot, got on well with her partners, thoroughly enjoyed her patients. She says the financial arrangement wasn't ideal, though. She took a big financial hit because she had another child during this time. And at one point, her partners made clear to Robin they thought it was only fair the practice should pay them more since they had stay-at-home wives to support and her husband had a job. 
She says there were definitely double standards, but this was largely a positive period in her career. But when she first got in touch with me in 2016, she was feeling overwhelmed. She had left that practice and gone into academia, joining the faculty at a big hospital in Columbus. She still saw patients, but she taught as well. When you moved into that job, you said, I thought I'd hit the jackpot, a salary that was set across the system and a female boss. But it wasn't quite that simple, right? <laughs> no, I, you know, I sat in the first interview and I, my first interview was with three female faculty and they sold me 30 seconds in. I, and I, I wasn't even convinced I wanted the job. I went into the interview thinking, I don't need this. I don't need to be here. And so don't, I wasn't even nervous, but I thought, wow, I want to work with other women who have families and juggle this and do this because they're going to understand and I'm not going to have to live up to, you know, in my, in my practice that I was in, my, both of my partners had children and stay at home wives. And so, you know, I'm not sure they ever really put any of their expectations on me, but my, my inner expectations was that I had to work as hard as they did. And if a kid was sick or something happened, you know, my first thought would always be, well, what would they do in this situation? And I could do no less than that because I was a physician and I needed, you know, that was, that is kind of the measure I think that I was holding myself up to. And so I thought it would be a lot different joining this practice with, you know, a lot of women in it. And it wasn't. <laughs> I worked with a bunch of fantastic human beings and physicians. They're some of the most brilliant people I know and caring and selfless. Um, but the work-life balance was insane for me. It didn't work in my lifestyle. And I, um, you know, I think when you, when you work, especially women, I think we look at other women and we judge ourselves based on how they're doing. And so we see this little iceberg of their lives and we say, oh, are we, are we as doing as good a job as they are? And I really struggled in that job because, uh, number one, I'm kind of an introvert, even though I'm, I, I'm chatty. Teaching is a lot of, you know, being in front of people all day long and, and being in groups. And that was not necessarily filling my cup, per se. And I was just overworked. And then I felt bad about myself because I thought, well, all these other women are doing this. They're, they're, they're doing this and they're thriving and they were here before I was. And so why can't I do this? And it wasn't till I was, we were at a graduation dinner and I was with some of my colleagues and one of this woman who, who I really respect and, um, you know, she's a fantastic physician and she has kids and a husband and she is very athletic. And I thought, oh, she, she does this all the way I should be doing it. And we were having this discussion about the food and she mentioned that, oh, we don't cook except on the weekends. We have carry out and frozen food all week long because we can't fit that into our lives. And I realized that, hey, not everybody's doing this as well as I think they are. But for a long time, that feeling that she just wasn't doing things as well as she could be, it dominated her thinking. I mean, I was working on average 60, 70 hours a week and really putting myself out there. And I think if I had felt that I was doing this fantastic job and I was succeeding, 
I might've been okay with that, but I, I got to the point where I felt like I was doing nothing well. I wasn't a good wife. I wasn't a good mom. I wasn't a good physician. I wasn't a good teacher. And I felt like I had 20 balls in the air. And at any moment, they were all going to come crashing down. Then that started to happen. A few years ago, her husband started bleeding from a place none of us want to see blood, a gastrointestinal bleed, they call it. At first, he was diagnosed with ulcers. But then further tests came back and they showed he had lymphoma. It was a slow-growing form of the cancer, but still, stage four. He was 48. I was completely caught off guard by it. I just in retrospect, the, the signs were there, but I hadn't, I had no idea. And I was, I was probably in the throes of burnout at the time and really had no reserve. And so it really shook my world, I would say. So she has two young boys to care for and keep cheerful for, a husband she wants to be an advocate for, and a job that is sapping her. At first, she only told her boss what was going on at home. And I wasn't real comfortable with anybody else knowing we're in a huge program with lots of residents and faculty and staff. And I wasn't in a place where I could really deal with those questions on a daily basis. How is he? You know, what's going on? Um, and so initially I was very, very closed off about it um, and still very much struggling as far as you know, motivation and, and work. But despite that, asking for time off just didn't feel right. We were all spread very thin and very kind of stressed out. And so um, I felt like asking for time off when my husband had treatment was a big burden on everybody else. And, and some of that may have been my internal, again, measurement of what I should be living up to. But, um, you know, initially my husband had to have eight weekly uh chemotherapy treatments. And luckily, they were very benign, and you know, he didn't have severe adverse reactions from them. Um, but they had to give him some medicine that made him sedated. And so he couldn't drive himself. And, and so initially, I said to my work, I'm going to go to the first two or three and see how he does. And so I went back afterwards, and I said, he can't even stay awake out, out of the parking lot. And I really felt like that was my role, that I had to be the one to be there. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a responsibility. It was, this was what I was called to do. You know, I do this every day for people who, who I don't even know. And I felt like I need to use my skills to help my husband and to be there for him and to advocate for him. And so I went back and said, I, you know, I need all this time off. It was, it was not denied. They, you know, they rearranged my schedule, but I never really had any conversation after that about, my needs or, you know, how was he, any of that. And, you know, I think a lot of that is because everybody was, you know, struggling um, or working very hard. And I think when you're, it's hard for you to have empathy for somebody else when you are, you know, not looking forward to having to cover their shift or take on their responsibilities when you don't have any extra room. That's so interesting because, you know, from the outside, we see medicine as, well, an, an empathy job. And it seems like there isn't necessarily always empathy for each other, for those who are called to do that job. I think that's, that's often very true. I mean, with the, and that's a culture that we as physicians propagate. Um, we are conditioned to put the patient first 
if I could give you a penny for every time I heard the patient comes first, um, I would be much richer than I, than I am as a physician. And I think that one of the ways that we also cope with some of the really horrible things that we see is to compartmentalize. I think with those two, two things, that, that institutional culture of the patient comes first and um, the high stress that goes along with it, I think that is something that we could do a lot better in medicine. What's happened since then with your husband's health and everything? So he um, is doing quite well now. He had a recurrence last year. So he has a form that is incurable, but it is slow growing. So we're hoping that um, it'll be a couple, you know, many years maybe before he has another um, issue with this, but he just had some scans and everything was normal. So that's good. Um, And I think that was really a, a turning point for me. And it was also about the time when I... I read the article that Anne-Marie Slaughter wrote about women having it all. And it was very, it was just an aha moment for me. And so I, I really, at that point, made a vow to, to change and to really think about what is important in my life. As she said when she wrote to me, and she was still in the middle of all this, I finally realized this career I forged for myself means nothing if I can't be there for my family especially in the area of health and illness. You know, I go back to that time when I told you that my, my colleagues were having babies and I couldn't understand why they were doing that at that point in their lives. And because I never realized at that point in my life how important my family would be to me. And so, you know, I had to really reevaluate what I wanted out of life and what I wanted out of medicine. And, and so I'm in a much better place now. I think that medicine as a, as a, institution has a lot more work to do because I think we lose out on a lot of very talented people who take really good care of patients, but can't do it all. She says during her husband's illness and her worst period of burnout, she realized she was distancing herself too much from her patients and their illnesses, compartmentalizing too much so she could cope with everything. She decided it was time to change gears. I am... I'm still teaching in the residency, and so I see patients with residents, but I don't carry my own what we call patient panel. And so that was really hard um, to give up some of my patients I have been seeing for 17, 18 years, and um, I had to say goodbye to them. And that was that was really tough, but I didn't feel like I was necessarily the best person to take care of them at that point. And so I am working there and then also working part-time at the same healthcare system overseeing academic research. And so for me, that's a way to affect change at a much higher level, at more of a bird's eye view than a street level view. And it's funny because although you said part-time, when it doesn't seem that part-time to me, because you're, you're pretty much, you're working except for, was it, was it Friday afternoons and Monday mornings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's Friday afternoon, right? <clears throat> and I've been working. Um, it is much less than it was before. And when I choose to work extra, it's, it's usually for something I'm very passionate about. And so, um, you know, I normally don't work Friday afternoons, but I had a couple conference calls because they were projects I was, I was really passionate about. And so I, I ask myself every day now, is what you're spending time on moving you towards your goals? And that's really a reminder for me to, is this important? Should you be doing this? 
and um, what I did this afternoon certainly was. And so that fills my cup. And I think that's what keeps you from being burnt out is you have to get that positive energy back in. And I think that's what's hard for a lot of women is we give, 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 and we judge ourselves, but we don't always fill ourselves back up. In a minute, there are some unique stresses in a medical career. You have to look at patients and say, you know, are you going to be the next one to sue me? Even though that's not a realistic way to look at things, but you feel just so betrayed in a way. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My next guest is also based in the Midwest. Heather Anaya grew up in Indiana, the oldest of five kids. Today, she lives and works in Iowa, another rural state. Her ambition started early. I wanted to be a doctor when I was four years old on the first day of preschool. For years, she assumed she'd be a pediatrician. She'd always loved kids. But during her training, she found herself drawn to the world of obstetrics and gynecology. It's interesting because your body is so different during pregnancy. It has to respond to support this pregnancy and it changes in so many ways that the physiology and all the things you learn about the human body in medical school kind of go out the window in some ways because everything is so new to adapt to pregnancy. And I just found that fascinating, just what the human body can do. And when women are pregnant, it's it's just a great time in their life to really make a difference in their healthcare. Heather ended up specializing in high-risk pregnancies, She's known as a maternal fetal medicine specialist. So she witnesses a lot of joy, but there's heartbreak too. Right off the bat, I I mean, I just want to say I didn't go into the specialty thinking that it was going to be all rainbows and and puppy dogs. But I and I knew that there were some very there's heavy issues and and very sad things. But I I was very drawn to that because I I feel that my personality and my training, I'm I'm a great doctor to to assume that role. So I went in eyes wide open, but at a certain time, it, it does wear on you. I mean, my my days generally involve taking care of women who are very sick. So maybe they have issues with high blood pressure or diabetes or, or heart problems, very severe heart problems, or babies that are very ill, so have trouble growing or have, have birth defects that are going to be impactful lifelong. But there, there's lots of situations that come up on a daily basis. And you can only compartmentalize so much until it starts kind of kind of affecting you and, and wearing on you. Recently, a mother died after giving birth. She had complications from a liver disease. Heather says she was an older mum. She had several children already. She says it's horrific when a mother dies. But she sees it as her job to stay strong for the patient's family and also for the team she's working with, many of whom are younger, When that mother died, Heather says it took her a week to really process what had happened. She broke down one day when she was at home with her family. 
She says she was raised to be tough. I played men's soccer in high school. I mean, I, I was tough. <laughs> yeah, you, you do that. You go on. You, bad things happen, but you fix them or you, you, know, you power through. You don't necessarily show that emotion. And so that's, that's, how I, that's how I carried on most of the time. And, then, and most of the time that worked. You know, 90% of the time that worked. And then every so often, terrible things happen and you react to it. She's been reacting a lot more lately. She had kids in her late 30s. She and her husband have a girl and a boy. They're four and two now. When I had my children, I become way more emotional about patient situations, about things in general. And I think that I think that's a good thing. I've seen that in my I've seen that change in myself. I've had a few patients, one in particular that I still keep in contact with. She's just amazing, but she had to make a very difficult decision for her baby. Her baby had a very, very severe heart defect, and she decided, her and her family decided that they weren't going to have all these extensive heart surgeries. They were going to have comfort care and be with the baby until she passed away. And and this is a little bit on the fringe because most people will say just do all the surgeries and just just make make that happen and she honestly made the decision just such a selfless decision I I just was in awe of her but anyways I could not see her without crying I mean I cried with her so much I still get a Christmas card from her every year and I cry when I see the card she says the female physicians she knows a lot of them are struggling not only do they pour themselves into patient care and identify with their women patients she says it's often a woman doctor who will get asked to take on that extra patient. And usually she says yes. Or maybe a colleague's having a problem at work and they need to talk. They come to her. Or there's a committee that needs chairing. Again, it's often a female doctor who's asked to do it. The difficulty so many of us have setting boundaries, she says it's huge with women in medicine. And home situations can play in too. She says studies show... Women physicians often have working partners or husbands or wives, and that men physicians often are the the sole breadwinner of the family, which has its own stresses, of course. But but we have a lot of work uh, work and home responsibilities that come into play, and so I think those are the issues that are starting to come up for women physicians. And all of this comes together to seeing you know seeing more patients and and the way insurance works now, more production. And yet we still want to relate to these patients. And so there's a lot of psychological attachment and, and empathy. And anyways, it, it, it drains our resources. It can even bring on despair. She says the burnout rate is bad enough, but there's more disturbing news. Unfortunately, the suicide rate in physicians is increasing. And for women physicians, that proportion is higher, which is a very, very sad statistic. She says it's hard for overburdened doctors to take a career break, to step away from the workforce for whatever reason. If you even leave for less than a year or you leave for a year or more, it's actually very difficult to get back both financially and both kind of academically because you have to go through these retraining processes. It's quite an impediment. Something else that stops doctors from leaning out, at least American ones, debt. I have paid quite an exorbitant amount of money to go for med school tuition and I and for undergrad for all of my schooling and so I have a huge student loan debt that I need to repay over many years because it's it's quite a huge amount of money and 
that that keeps me it, well number one try in a in a job where I can have a salary that can repay that I mean it's more than our mortgage every month to pay back my student loan payment so that you you can't I couldn't just decide you know what I'm I'm not going to do medicine I'm going to do something else because I would really not be able to pay back those loans do you mind telling people how much it is and what you have to pay back every month no, it's it's over three hundred thousand uh, dollars. It was I think three fifty when I came out of training, and then every month it's about four thousand dollars a month. She says she has about another ten years of payments before she's free of that debt. Another stress factor is litigation. Obviously, when something goes wrong in a medical situation, it can be devastating to the patient and their family. Heather says her field of obstetrics and fetal medicine, it has the highest rate of litigation of any medical field. She and her colleagues treat high-risk patients and things don't always turn out well. But getting sued was a shock. It was awful. I mean, I, I can't even explain the feeling because you've spent your whole life, I feel like I've spent my whole life, I mean, preparing for this career and being the best physician that I can be. And yet someone is, you read this whatever they bring you, the paperwork they bring you when, when they're serving you your papers and and about all these awful things in, in lawyer speak, but it's it's horrible and it's demoralizing and you have to get and go back to work and you have to look at patients and say, you know, are you going to be the next one to sue me? Even though that's not a realistic way to look at things, but you feel just so betrayed in a way. That said, Heather says she'd tell her kids to be doctors. She says you can do so much good for someone else but she would like to spend more time with them. A typical week for her could be 65 hours. It involves everything from ultrasounds and C-sections to teaching, administration and travel to rural parts of the state where her expertise is needed. She says she tries to maintain some balance by working out every single morning. She runs or does yoga. So regardless of what time I have to be at the hospital, I wake up earlier to do that before, before my kids wake up. And I really make sure that I, I spend quality time with my kids and, and my husband, especially at night. Um, or today, for instance, I'm going to be in the hospital for about 30 hours. And so my I went with my nanny to pick up my kid from preschool just to see her for about 30 minutes. And then we picked her up. She dropped me back off at the hospital. And it was just even a few minutes to be with the kids. But that was that was really special. So I really try to maximize that time, especially because my husband's in my, his current role, he travels a lot during the week, so he may be gone in another state Monday through Thursday. I mean, you mentioned your your nanny when we first spoke, and you said you definitely couldn't do this without her. No, she's amazing. She's practically my other daughter at this point, and she is amazing. So I was very fortunate to you know to to have her in our lives. Yes. What's her name? Her name's Kayla. But Heather's hours will drop by close to half later this year. Just like Robin Devine, she's found her way to what looks like a saner existence. Her husband's job asked him to move to Chicago this summer. They're doing it. Heather has secured a new position there with better hours, but still good pay. Despite all these challenges that keep popping up, it's still an amazing specialty, an amazing career. But I'm able to have more time with my family and and have you know I I'm gonna I'm not I don't want to look back and realize that my kids grew up and I, and I missed a lot of that. But Heather, is this is this the only answer for 
other physicians like you? I mean, say there are women physicians listening to this. Is the only answer to this situation of being on the cusp of burnout to, to scale back? Is there no other way to make it an easier life? I think there are other ways. And going part-time or going, I'm calling it semi-part-time, has been cited as a looming issue for for medicine in general and access to care. So it's going to get some recognition at some point, if even that's to say, we don't have enough physicians to take care of patients. She says talking to other women is at least part of the solution. She's part of a Facebook group for physician mums, and that may seem small, but it's been really helpful. Conferring with some of those women helped her land her new job on her terms. It's an outlet for physicians to to give ideas and say, hey, this is what my schedule looks like, even like how to negotiate. So I've had mentors and, and friends talk about, you know, what do we do to negotiate this particular job and hours? And it's not even about the mo- about money so much as it's about time. And that was my sticking point, too, is I, I want the time. And speaking of time, while I was putting this show together, I heard from a young doctor in training in Australia. She also brought up burnout and she said, I feel medicine lends itself quite well to job sharing, but the attitude is it's never worked before. But she told me, I feel it hasn't worked before because it hasn't been tried before. And here's a final word from Robin Devine. She says, stick up for your colleagues because you never know when you'll need them to stick up for you. You know, if somebody says, oh, I can't come to that meeting anymore, my kids are sick, we aren't always our best selves in those moments. And so I think really advocating for our our colleagues and and for change in the system, you know, why is the job that we do still based on, you know, a 1950s physician whose wife stays home? Thanks to Drs. Robin Devine and Heather Anaya for being my guests on this longer than usual episode. And if there's ever something you hear in a show and you want to revisit it, I post transcripts of every episode on the website. Just find the show you want at thebroadexperience.com, look in the show notes and click on the link to the transcript. This show is produced, edited and hosted by me. If you can afford to kick in to support The Broad Experience, I would be really grateful and you'd essentially be part of the team. And one of the things I love about doing the show is building a community around it. Just click the support tab on the website. A $50 donation will get you the official Broad Experience t-shirt. Ladies cut. You can also become a sustaining contributor with a monthly donation of whatever you like. And go ahead and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can get the show on iTunes. And if you're an Android user like me, try the Radio Public app. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm -hmm. 